Another wild, exciting weekend of college football. Great to have you with us, everybody, as we get set for week three of this 2017 college football season. Uh, maybe it'll duplicate some of the uh, the topsy-turvy goings-on in, in week two. Great to have you with us here on Strong as Steel. As always, your finest, finest spot to be able to evaluate, assess, and take a, a real strong look-see at what's going on in this college football week number three i'm michael regai pleased to be joined as always by the author of uh, phil Steele's college football preview and uh, the uh, top evaluator in the biz phil Steele. how are you today phil you know i'm doing great michael how about yourself absolutely phenomenal uh, getting set for another huge weekend our producer jim nabosna here as well and Phil, we've had some shakeup a little bit uh, in the uh, in the uh, the top twenty-five this week, specifically even in the top ten. And just to, to start off, your thoughts on uh, Baker Mayfield and Oklahoma going in and uh, really putting one on Ohio State that uh, kind of scratched a lot of heads around the college football landscape. Yeah, very impressive. And I think uh, you know Ohio State did not look good, but a lot of that goes on how Oklahoma looked in that game. It's a very good Oklahoma team. And one that uh, I had right in the top five at the start of the year. They look like the cream of the crop of the Big 12. Question marks arose. You know, how would Lincoln Riley fare in his first year? Well, I think he passed his first test with flying colors in a battle of the the new head coach, Lincoln Riley, versus the grizzled veteran Urban Meyer. i got to give it to Lincoln Riley. They did a better job there, and uh, they deserve it. Now, you know, each week on ESPN.com, uh, I write a bunch of different articles up there. And one of the articles I have up there is the power ratings for the, the Vegas power ratings for this week, the, how the teams are really rated in Las Vegas heading into the week. And in those ratings, uh, they are the number two team in the country, Oklahoma is. You'll never guess who number one is, Michael. <laughs> yeah, I would uh, not hazard a guess at that, Phil, because it well, it probably hasn't changed too much from what everybody thought it would be, right? That's right, Alabama. The Alabama Crimson Tide, to be sure. So great to have you along on Strong as Steel. Let's get rolling today. Uh, your number to call, 646. We invite you to uh, give us your thoughts uh, where you might want to assess uh, your favorite football team, particular uh, conferences. Doesn't matter. We take them all here on Strong as Steel. 646-668-2248. That's 646-668-2248. You can also get with us uh, on Twitter at Phil Steele zero four two at Phil Steele zero four two at Michael Regai and our producer as we said is uh, at Jimmy Boz five so that's how we roll we invite all of your uh, tweets as well we'll take a look at that social media very very uh, important big to us here on strong as steel Phil let's start out I uh, I, I keep uh, finding myself uh, fascinated with James Franklin's football team and look at it Trace McSorley and Saquon Barkley who is my choice for the Heisman Trophy, and Mike Gesicki and that tremendously talented offense of Penn State. They uh, kind of drilled Pitt, so they got their payback last week. And now the uh, the number five Nittany Lions uh, welcome in Georgia State this week, who is, uh, has lost their only game they played this year. Penn State is probably right now in everybody's consciousness, Phil, wouldn't you agree, as, as formidable a ch- an opportunity to win a national championship as anybody not named Alabama, wouldn't you agree? Oh, absolutely. Uh, now, their biggest question mark, though, I mean, back-to-back weeks, they have to play Michigan at home, whiteout situation, right. they're going to be fired up, that's going to be an A-plus game. Then the very next week after that huge effort, they have to travel to Columbus and play Ohio State, which is playing with revenge, and Ohio State's fresh off a of bye. So it's a tremendous scheduling advantage for Ohio State. If Penn State can overcome that, then yes. And I, I think talent-wise, the thing I look at when I look at Penn State is I've talked to James Franklin each and every year he's been at Penn State. That first year we're going over the team, they went about one deep. This year they're about four deep at every position. They were a loaded team. Last week, not quite as impressive as the final score. In fact, they actually got outgained in the game by 30 yards. 
but uh, they were still in control of it almost start to finish. And when you look at Georgia State this year, I was surprised they let go of their head coach at the end of last season. Opened up with a loss to Tennessee State. They got outgained by 110 yards in that game. Connor Manning uh, is a transfer quarterback that was there last year. He's back. But uh, I think Georgia State's going to have a tough time. Biggest thing Georgia State's got going for them in this game, Michael, is the fact that Penn State is off that big game against Pitt, and they've got Iowa, a huge game on deck, their mm-hmm. Big Ten opener. So it's a bit of a sandwich situation for Penn State this week. I still like the Lions to win this one uh, pretty comfortably, though, for something like 49 to nothing. <laughs> That's pretty comfortably, no question about it. And James Franklin's got them rolling in Happy Valley, and they'll get another look-see there this week. This is how we do it on Strongest Steel. Again, 646-668-2248. You might uh, want to get with us with regard to your favorite football team. Mason Rudolph, that quarterback of uh, the Oklahoma State Cowboys, off to a terrific start. We just mentioned Pitt. They got to go to Pitt this week. Let's head to the uh, state of New Jersey here on Strongest Steel. We welcome Rich to the show with some thoughts on that football game. How you doing, Rich? Welcome. Doing well, guys. As usual, thanks for taking the call. Um, you know, I, I took a futures bet on Oklahoma State earlier before the season started to win it all, and I'm really looking at the schedule, and they have some real tough games. That goes without saying. But this pick game is kind of scary to me. Um, I just feel like two games back-to-back on the road, um, I'm worried that Oklahoma State might not necessarily be taking this game seriously after really two blowout victories. I'm just trying to get your thoughts, what you think about the overall matchup between the two teams. I appreciate it, Rich. And uh, I tell you what, they will definitely be taking this game seriously because the two teams played last year. And in that game, it's 38-38 in the fourth quarter with about uh, two minutes to go. Oklahoma State gets a big pass play, ends up punching in a touchdown with 128 left and escaped at home by seven points. So they definitely will be prepared for Pitt. Now, Oklahoma State's a much more veteran team. Pitt lost a lot of the key players from last year. And frankly, I've been a little disappointed in Max Brown's play so far at quarterback. He's the USC transfer. He's come in. He's hit uh, you know a decent 64%, but with just one touchdown, two interceptions. And they only put up 21 points in regulation against Utah State. All that in the first half. They were up 21 nothing. Ended up needing overtime to beat them. Last week, like I said, they did outgain Penn State 342 to 312. So I do think they could put up a fight here at home. And they know they could play with Oklahoma State. Now, Oklahoma State, of course, has the triplets. And we're talking about Mason Rudolph at QB. He's having a great year as expected. James Washington, he's only averaging 30.4 yards per catch. And then Justice Hill is sharing duties there with guys like J.D. King and L.D. Brown. They've got a loaded backfield. The offensive line, one of the best. But South Alabama and Tulsa's defense are not as good as Pitt. Pitt's got a pretty good defense, although they struggled in pass defense last year. I think that's been corrected this season. So I I like Oklahoma State to go on the road and get the win, but I think Pitt is going to give them a game uh, based on last year, based on the fact they're at home. So I see Oklahoma State winning it, but only by about seven or so. Appreciate the call there, Rich. Yeah, Rich always with some uh, – I, I like his futures play in Oklahoma State too, Phil. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, they that's get, kind they, of a they get Oklahoma thinking. at home. Yeah, they get Oklahoma yeah. at home later in the year. You look at their road games, they've got Texas Tech, although Tech's playing pretty good this year. Texas, West Virginia, none of them easy, but in the same token, they're not playing Alabama or Ohio State on the road. Their their slate is very manageable. Michael Regai, Phil Steele, our producer, Jim Nabosna. Great to have you along. Uh, we do this show for you. Make sure you guys are the lifeblood of it, your college football friends Big-time fans, make sure they're locked in with us every uh, Wednesday here on Strong as Steel throughout the season. We go at noon Eastern time, and it's your opportunity to uh, really talk a lot of college football and assess and evaluate with uh, Phil and yours truly. Uh, Pac-12, Gary Anderson has uh, found himself off to a little bit of a rough start, the loss at Colorado State, and then uh, P.J. Fleck in Minnesota came in and got them, so they're sitting at 1-2 and two after the win over Portland. Let's head out to the uh, great state of Oregon, and uh, here's our good friend Tyler showing up with us on Strong as Steel. Welcome, Tyler. How are you feeling today? Oh, uh, let's see. It, the smoke's clearing, so I'm feeling a little better about the weather, but not so much about my foot. Okay, good morning, guys. How's it going? We're great. We're great. I know you want to talk about Gary Anderson's squad. Go right ahead. Uh, yeah, so 
Oregon State and Washington State both came out of last week with some questions to answer. Oregon State more so, I think, about their on-field performance. Yet I see the line has already ballooned up to 21 points. I'm curious what you're expecting to see this weekend in Pullman in the first game of what we like to call the mystical Northwest Championship. <laughs> All right. I like that. Appreciate the call, Tyler, and uh, enjoy talking about the Beavers every week. Uh, now, you know, last year's game, uh, you, you had to be excited at the end of the first half when these two played last year because Oregon State was up big. It was 24-6. to They appeared to have the game locked up. Then Washington State came back, pretty much controlled the second half, and uh, ended up walking away with that 35-31 win. So once again, this is a team in Oregon State that even though they're going on the road, they feel they can play. Surprising to me was the fact that Ryan Nall, their outstanding running back for Oregon State, did not start last week. They wanted to get a little more speed on the field with Artavius Pierce. Nall only had seven carries last week. I think Nall's the one guy you can rely on, so that worked him a little bit more, although Washington State has a pretty good defensive front seven. Jake Luton not lighting the world on fire. Did have those three interceptions in the opening game of the season. Has only had one since. Uh, and I think he's going to continue to improve. Uh, defensively, it hasn't been good for the Beavers, giving up 484 yards per game. But here's the thing. Washington State is actually 0-5 as a home favorite. They don't do very well. They they may win, but they don't win by a lot. And I think with the fact this game was close last year, as much as I like Washington State this year, I'll point out another fact. They've got that high-flying offense. Luke Falk got injured in the second quarter last week, and Tyler Holinsky did a good job in relief. But in their two games in regulation, this team has only totaled 31 points each time. 31 against Montana State, 31 against Boise. 16 of their points last week came in overtime, and some of their points last week, one came out of an interception return for a touchdown, one after Boise fumbled a late punt to allow them to push that thing in overtime. So Washington State's been far from dominant. Falk, questionable, I think he'll play. And uh, I like Oregon State to keep this one closer than expected. It should be a, an interesting game. So I think you'll enjoy this one a lot more this week, Tyler. Appreciate the call. And by the way, I want to throw one thing out to you guys listening live on uh, Blog Talk there. And that is if you have any game in the country, and I'm talking any FBS game, feel free to hit me up on it. I uh, love talking about the smaller teams as well. And I think that's one of the things that makes this podcast unique. Absolutely does, Phil. And, uh, you know, I'm going to be calling on the ESPN family and networks a big group of five game on Saturday. We're going to get to a little bit later on is uh, the Golden Hurricane at Tulsa come in to see the Toledo Rockets. So two high octane football teams uh, from the uh, the American Athletic and the the Mac. So you're right, as Phil said, uh, you know, you don't have to uh, limit it to power five with us. We are uh, ready and willing and able to go with a group of five as well. And you could do all of that at 668-646-668-2248. Let's continue on a roll here. Here, How hot is Josh Rosen, the quarterback of the UCLA Bruins? Uh, I would say sizzling hot here in the early go. Let's check in with our man. Number 25 this week, they've got to take that cross-country trek. Speaking of the American Athletic, to see those Memphis Tigers, let's uh, head to Chicago, and here's our man Jay with some uh, some thoughts about UCLA and Memphis. How are you, Jay? Welcome. Doing well. Thanks for having me on, guys. Um, yeah, interesting game here. I don't know if you smell it, but I smell a big trap here. Um, you mm. know, UCLA's coming over a couple time zones here. Uh, Memphis has had this game circled on their uh, schedule uh, for quite some time now. And they, uh, you know, with the hurricane last week, they got a little buy, some extra time to prepare. So I, I smell a trap here. The line's uh, kind of fishy at three here. Okay. Appreciate the call, Jay. And, uh, you know, look yeah, at Phil, this what do you think? Up, uh, Phil got a good – does he have a good point there, Phil, with regard to, uh, you know, you had the travel in here and UCLA coming off the uh, – for Texas A&M win, backing that up last week. That feasible that this could be a stumbling block here? Well, it's definitely feasible. I mean, Memphis is the uh, preseason pick to win their their conference. The AAC did extremely well last year. This game, uh, Memphis amazingly decided to play this one at noon for some reason. Okay, that's 9 o'clock a.m. Pacific time, so it's pretty early for those California boys to be getting up. I don't know if college students say get up before 9 o'clock a.m., uh, so that, that'll be interesting. And they got a big game against Stanford on deck, so I can see all that. But I just think this UCLA team is gaining confidence by the week. They actually ran the football decent against Hawaii. That's a big plus, something they couldn't do last year. 
Uh, they haven't really – they're using more of a running back by committee. They've got about five guys carrying the ball back there. But they did average 5.1 yards per carry, and I think part of the reason is defenses have to be kept honest with Josh Rosen. You touched on it. Since that uh, big deficit to Texas A&M, Josh Rosen has absolutely been on fire. In fact, tomorrow morning on SportsCenter at 8.30 in the morning, I'm going to have an interesting fact about Josh Rosen. So make sure you tune in to SportsCenter tomorrow morning at 8.30 for that. But with uh, Memphis, they played their first game against ULM. Now, that game was played in the rain. So their quarterback, Riley Ferguson, didn't have a big day, only threw for 97 yards, 10 to 25 passing. I would expect he'll be improved here this week. And a surprising factor to me is that UCLA's rush defense, they're giving up 6.1 and 6.7 yards per carry. Why surprising? Is when I talked to Coach Jim Mora this summer, he was extremely high on his defensive line. Now, granted, Hawaii got a lot of their yards and points late in that game. I mean, it was a uh, big blowout. They only had 10 points late in the third quarter, scored a couple touchdowns late, but still a little bit of alarm bells going off there, although I think that UCLA defensive front will be fine. And the other concern would, in Memphis's corner would be the fact they gave up 279 yards passing to ULM. I would expect them to give up some yards passing here to Rosen. So add it all up, it is one of those games that UCLA has to be very careful of, but I think you're going to see the Bruins pick this one up by a touchdown or more on the road. Appreciate the call there, Jay. Yeah, that'll be an intriguing matchup, one I think we're all going to be uh, looking at. Strongest steel rolling on uh, here uh, all over the United States of America and uh, the world, as a matter of fact, in advance of another huge uh, college football weekend. Hey, guys, right here and now, you know, Phil and I, if you're like us, the pursuit of a great shave at a real affordable price continues, right? Well, I've got the truth for you. I've got the answer. I've discovered Harry's Blades, and we welcome them as one of our uh, terrific sponsors, Harry's Blades, and we're here to share it with you. It's kind of like a game-winning touchdown is what I like to equate it to. Harry's Blades have given me the smooth, close quality shave and quality blades and the comfortable uh, glide of a razor that I've been looking for and it's what I've wanted to find and you're going to see why also with Harry's Blades. You know as a strongest steel listener here's what we're going to do for you. Give you a $13 value absolutely free. That's right, $13 value, absolutely free to give Harry's Blades a glide across your face. And I can tell you, gentlemen, you're going to love it. As you go to Harry's, H-A-R-R-Y-S dot com, that's Harry's dot com slash strong right now. Here's what you're going to get. Your weighted ergonomic razor handle. You're going to get five precision quality engineered Harry's Blades. You'll get the rich lathering shave gel and a, a travel bag container as well for the blades. It's a great shave at the fairest price possible. Uh, the owners, Jeff and Andy, the guys that put Harry's together, two ordinary guys, but they were fed up with buying overpriced razors, and they were looking to achieve something a lot better. And boy, did they win big by starting Harry's. It'll fix your shaving experience. I love Harry's quality. I guarantee you, you will too. Get that free trial set right now. A free trial set, and you'll see why three million guys already have made the switch to Harry's. So go sign in, sign up at harrys.com slash strong, and you receive the finest quality blades from their own German factory with a 100% guarantee. Get the free trial set today. You simply have to pay for the shipping. That's it. I'm loving my clean, smooth, close, comfortable shave with Harry's blades. You will too. Check them out, harrysblades.com. All right, Michael Regai with Phil Steele and our producer Jim Nabosna here on Strong as Steel. You guys are loaded us up today. We love it that way. 646-668-2248. Let's keep rolling here. Uh, Let's uh, check in uh, in the the great state of Arkansas. And here's our man Josh with some uh, thoughts about a non-conference matchup that intrigues. Hey, Josh, welcome. Hey, good afternoon, guys. Love your show and love the great work that you do. Um, yeah, I just really had a question on the uh, Baylor game against Duke this week. What I look at is Baylor off of two lackluster home performances against weaker squads, and Duke is off a max effort game against Northwestern. I think in the preseason this would have been a pick or maybe a field goal game either way, and now we get a lot of value at 14.5 with Baylor. So uh, really just looking for your thoughts on this matchup, and uh, thanks again. I'll hang up and listen. 
All right, Josh, I love the way you break the game down because you hit it right on the head. I was thinking the exact same thing when I saw that matchup this week. If this game was played in the preseason, Duke and Baylor were about pick em coming in, and uh, now here we have Baylor getting a full 14 points. Now, if you've watched the two teams take away the uniforms and uh, you know who they are, you would have Baylor or Duke probably favored by 21 because they just absolutely throttled Northwestern last week. 41 to 17. It wasn't even that close. I mean, 538 to 191 in the yards. They look great in the opener. Daniel Jones is on fire this year, hitting 76%. And uh, the defense playing extremely well. I mean, they're only giving up 175 yards per game. It is a veteran defense this year. Now, Baylor went with a new Solomon at the starting quarterback. I wasn't wild about him when he was a quarterback at Arizona, and I wasn't wild about him when he's been a quarterback here at Baylor. But they're going to go back to Zach Smith this week. And I like that move. I know Solomon's more mobile, but Smith's going to give him more of a passing game, something that's really been lacking. I mean, Solomon hit 43% of his passes so far this year. I think you're going to see Zach Smith come in and improve that. They've got some receivers like Plant and Mims. And the defense, which did give up 585 yards of Liberty, played better last week. UTSA is a pretty good team. So I, like you, expect Baylor to play a lot better this week. I like Duke to get the win. They're at home. They're the better team. But I see them only win this game like four to seven points, and I think the line value is clearly with Baylor. Appreciate the call, Josh, and great great insight. Yep, good stuff from Josh, as always. And, you know, Phil, I'm sick of the same thing. You know, uh, I think we both felt last week that Northwestern would uh, go into uh, – go into Raleigh and, and handle the, uh, you know, the Big Ten honor there. And then I thought, wait a minute, what do we always say about David Cutcliffe and his football team? You give them an assignment, it seems like, where everyone else feels that they're the definitive underdog and maybe don't have a shot to win. And Cutcliffe and his guys, they, they put it on Northwestern. So, yeah, I think that preparation of David Cutcliffe, uh, you, you can never discount that with his football team. Yeah, you know, and another advantage Baylor has is not only was Duke fired up as a home dog for that one, they got North Carolina on deck. That's their biggest rival. Yeah, so right. uh, this is a little bit of a sandwich spot for him. And I think Cutcliffe's teams perform better when he's an underdog than they do as a favorite. No doubt. We should have taken that into greater consideration, I think, when we both uh, went with Northwestern last week. Michael Regai, Phil Steele, our producer, Jim Nabosna on Strong as Steel, 646-668-2248. We love the flow. We're rolling as we we like to do from a sea to shining sea around the college football landscape. We also, as we said, we love having your thoughts on social media, on Twitter. Let's call in our producer, Jim Nabosna, here, because a lot of you, we know you're working, you can't call and be on the show live, but you want to get your thoughts out there and get the assessments. Jimmy, take it away. What do we have on the Twitter mailbag today on Strong as Steel? We start off with Madison77. He says he thinks this is a, a classic trap game as a normal below-average Vanderbilt team has taken a big step forward this year. How do you see this defensive battle play out this week versus Kansas State? Yeah, and, you know, when you take a look at these two teams statistically, uh, they're pretty close this year. Vanderbilt's been impressive. And not only have do you know that you're going to get good defense with Derek Mason as the uh, coordinator there, and, and surprisingly, even though they lost Zach Cunningham, their defense given up just 159 yards per game in the first two games. But Kyle Shermer really emerged down the stretch last year. And uh, you look at how we finished the season. This year he's hit 76% with a 7-0 ratio. And they, of course, have Ralph Webb, who's been running back there for about 10 years. Uh, so it's, uh, I think this is the best <laughs> Vanderbilt team I've seen since uh, James Franklin had them back into a double-digit win season. But this K-State team is a pretty special squad, too. And I think it's one of Bill Snyder's best teams that he's put on the field. Jesse Ertz has given him a passing game. He's hitting 70% with a 4-0 ratio. Uh, they've got a good run game, and defensively they're solid. Special teams, they have the advantage as well. They've got one of the best special teams units in the country. And uh, this is just one of those games where, you know, the, the right now Kansas State's about a three-and-a-half-point favorite in this game on the road. It's in one of those situations where I'm going to take Bill Snyder in almost any big game. And, you know, let's compare the bowl games for the two last year. A big game for each. 
Uh, Bill Snyder and company beat Texas A&M, which was pretty loaded last year, and Vanderbilt lost to NC State 41-17. to You look at some of Vandy's other wins last year, they came against a beat-up Tennessee, a beat-up Mississippi. I don't think they've really come out and beaten a team other than Georgia last year when they won that on the road, and I think Bill Snyder will have K-State very well prepared. So I like K-State in that one and appreciate the tweet. John Key Stokes says, Ole Miss offense looks like it still has some firepower. However, their defense is still questionable. Do you expect them to get enough stops to beat Cal late Saturday night? I do. I I like this Ole Miss team. I think they're under the radar. The probation has not picked seventh in the West. Now, here's one thing. This game is taking place at, you know, we talked earlier about UCLA starting at 9 in the morning. This game is starting at 10.30 Eastern for these Mississippi guys. So, you know, they wake up, what, 9 o'clock in the morning, 10 o'clock, sit around in the hotel all day long and finally get to play the game 10.30 at night. That's a late start for them. And I have been very impressed with what I've seen from Ross Bowers. I have to admit I underrated him a little bit coming into the season. When it was announced Bowers was going to be the starter, I was sort of nonplussed by it. But he's hit 67%, 4-2 ratio, got him the win over North Carolina. But I look at last week's game against Weaver, and granted it was a situation situation where it's a sandwich for them between North Carolina and Ole Miss, but they got outgained 571 to 431. That was a ball game for a good portion of it. And this is a Mississippi, today, Mississippi team that I think just keeps falling under the radar. The, everybody has no expectations to with them uh, due to the probation, due to the fact they can't go to a bowl. And I think it's sort of a us-against-them philosophy. I really like what I've seen out of Shea Patterson so far. I think they've got talent in the defensive front seven. Uh, you know, good running backs, A.J. Brown at receiver. So I, I like Ole Miss to go on the road and grab the win there by a touchdown or more. Appreciate it. Over to Tommy Touchy. He asked, can Old Dominion control the ball this week against North Carolina and pull off an upset? I tell you what, uh, Bobby Wilder's one of those crafty head coaches that gets it done and uh, enjoy talking to him each and every year. And, and who would have thought Old Dominion would have accomplished what they accomplished last year, and yet they did with a, a big winning season. Now, uh, so far, losing Washington at quarterback is not, they haven't had the same dynamic QB. Blake LaRosa has taken over. He's hitting 57% with a 2 2 ratio. He's not the runner that Washington was, but their top running back, Ray Lowry, uh, was banged up. He only had 44 yards in week in game one and didn't play last week. He should be back this week. So with him and Cox, they've got the run game, and this is by far the best defense Old Dominion has put on the field. Remember, and, and talking to Coach Wilder through the years, the reason they were that high-flying pass offense was he didn't have the athletes on defense. That's not the type of offense he wants. He wants run game, tight ends, strong defense, and he's got that strong defense this year, allowing just 304 yards per game. Now, when I look at North Carolina, frankly, I was disappointed in their effort. That Granted, they gave Louisville a very good game last week. The Cal game surprised me. It was a game that they led the first three quarters and then gave it up in the fourth quarter. So two disappointing performances. It looks like they're going with Chaz Surratt at the quarterback spot. Uh, the defense is still a problem. Maybe Gene Chizik knew something when he said, you know what, I think I'll go work at the SEC Network this year, as opposed to being the defense coordinator at North Carolina, which is giving up 587 yards per game. And while they can't stop the run, giving up 5.3 yards per carry, they can't stop the pass, giving up nearly 400 yards. So I do think Old Dominion has that possibility. How'd they get this game at home? They've got one of the best uh, student bodies. And you know what? I talked to a lot of coaches, and one of the questions ESPN had me ask them was, who do you think has one of the most underrated home field edges out there? Old Dominion's name came up a couple of times. They said the fans know when to cheer. They're loud the entire game. They pack the place. And I think North Carolina must be on upset alert this week. I agree with you, Phil. Good stuff. I've called a lot of college hoops at uh, Old Dominion in Norfolk, Virginia, and you're right about the, the students. They get after it, and we'll see if uh, Bobby Wilder's football team is able to do the same. Appreciate it, Jim Nabosna. Appreciate it from all of you as uh, we love getting your uh, your tweets and your Twitter questions. As I said, social media, very, very important to us here on Strong as Steel. Uh, so is uh, philsteel.com. Make sure that you're aware of inside the press box, Phil Steel Plus, 
All of that is something that will enhance your college football viewing pleasure. Let's go out to the uh, state of California. Uh, speaking of those time zone differences on the uh, left coast, and here's Clay with some thoughts on uh, all of the things I just mentioned connected with PhilSteel.com. What's going on, Clay? Welcome. How you doing, uh, Phil? How you doing, Mr. Nabozda? Um, Mr. Ray guy, I have my question is more about the handicapping than any specific game. I'm a long-time uh, subscriber to, to the Inside the Press box, and your insight's been just incredible over the years. But with that being said, I, I know that we've had a little rough start. Is there anything that you do to mix it up, or is it just like a, a great uh, three-point shooter? You just keep firing away knowing that you know things will change. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I appreciate the hey, question and, and the concern Phil, let well. me jump I mean, in here real quick. I want. I just want to let uh, Clay and everybody know that you can shoot the three now. I, I've I've witnessed that. <laughs> Steele likes to step behind that line and fire that long ball on the hoop court. So you know, I mean, uh, he, he's very well versed in that too. I appreciate that, Michael, an awful lot. And uh, you know, I, I like the analogy because that's that's exactly what what you do when you're when you are a three point shooter. You just keep on shooting, and you know they're going to go in. And uh, it's been a rough start for inside the press box, but I think we'll bounce back and bounce back big. And really, there's you know the tried and true methods are all there, and you learn, you adapt. Some things that were important five years ago are no longer important nowadays, and so there is a lot of adaption on a weekly basis and uh, every single week. And uh, if you're an inside the press box subscriber. First of all, I really appreciate you being on board. You know the amount of work we put in there, and uh, we'll be on the plus side in, in the near, very near future. We'll, we'll get back up there very shortly. So uh, feel very confident in, in what's coming up and inside the press box in the next couple of weeks. Appreciate the call. Absolutely. Strong as steel. That's, uh, that's why the show is named that way, because uh, there is strength in what goes on here uh, through week by week, and as you total it all up, at the end of a college football season. And we are off to uh, just a, an exciting and a very riveting beginning to this 2017 campaign. We've seen a lot of things that have, as we talked about, that have already jumped off the page at us, and there's going to be more and more uh, from week to come. 646-668-2248. He's Phil Steele, our producer, Jim Nabosna. I'm Michael Regai, delighted you're part of Strong as Steel. The big one this weekend, I think, is uh, Dabo Swinney. Man, anybody that thought that uh, because he lost to Sean Watson and Mike Williams and uh, a few more from that national championship squad, that things were going to suddenly fall off the rails in Clemson, South Carolina. Oh, better think again. They did Auburn last week. Now they've got the... Uh, the matchup against Louisville and Lamar Jackson, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. Let's check in. Let's go to Alabama. You know that Alabama's interested in that. Here's our man Chad with some thoughts on just that. Clemson heading to Louisville. Chad, how you feeling? This one's caught your attention, obviously. Of course, of course. Probably, uh, probably the biggest game of the of the week. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, I tell you what. Uh, Clemson played a, a great game last year with Watson, and uh, I don't think they've lost very much with Kelly Bryant. Um, actually, I think they've gained a passing game, a better passing game. Mm-hmm. they got a great core of receivers, a uh, great backfield. I, I actually see Clemson handling Louisville in this game. I don't think, uh, I don't think uh, Louisville will be able to move the ball against their defense. Let's get Phil's right, thoughts on that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, good stuff, Chad. Yeah, Chad, appreciate the call and the comments. And uh, you know, when you when you take a look at this matchup, I could build a case for Louisville. And here's the case: last year they played at Clemson with Lamar Jackson versus Deshaun Watson, took it to the very end, and and almost pulled the upset. Louisville's run defense looking pretty good this year. In fact, they've given up just 34 yards per game, 1.5 yards per carry, and they haven't been playing. FCS foes. They played Purdue. They played North Carolina. So they played some talented teams. That's a pretty good rush defense they got out there. They've got Lamar Jackson back. Meanwhile, Deshaun Watson not there. The game is home for Louisville. That's a plus. Another plus. Last week, Clemson had their A-plus game against Auburn. They're at home, A-plus. You can't play an A-plus game 
back-to-back weeks. So I think you add all that up, I can make a great case for Louisville here. But as Chad touched on, I like what I've seen out of Kelly Bryant. I think they've got some upgrades in the running back core. The receivers are fine. And the matchup I'm going to isolate on here is a Louisville offensive line. that, Despite the fact that these guys are averaging 41 points per game, and 615 yards per game, and 5.9 yards per carry, and only two sacks, a lot of that is Lamar Jackson's mobility. The offensive line has struggled a little bit to protect them. They're running up against the number one defensive line in the country in Clemson. I expect that Clemson defensive line does disrupt a lot of what Louisville does offensively. This will not be an Auburn game. Remember last week I said the Auburn-Clemson game is going to be low scoring. Couldn't believe that the total mm-hmm. in that thing was 57, and it turns out to be 14-6. to six five touchdowns, what the spread was, below what the spread was. Well, this year, this week's game is going to be more on the high-scoring side. I think you'll find Lamar Jackson will make some big plays, may get a turnover or two, and I do think Clemson's offense will have steady success against that Louisville defense. So add it all up, I'm looking at something like 34-27 Clemson in this one. Team with the better defense, though, gets my vote. Appreciate the call, Chad. Yeah, and then, Phil, I'm right with you. Debo Swinney, to me, I mean, this this man continues to uh, elevate his program. And, again, I mean, a testament when many thought that maybe there would be some slippage this year with the Clemson Tigers. We haven't seen any yet. And defensively, mm, you know, the talk centers around the offense. But as Phil said, I mean, defensively, this is a football team that can stifle you. So, with that in mind, uh, number three Clemson at number 14 Louisville, Phil, I want to head out to the West Coast again because Sam Darnold in the second half last week against Stanford was uh, the the Sam Darnold that everybody expected him to be. He fired four touchdown passes as USC pulled away in the second half. David Shaw, the outstanding coach of Stanford, said, you know what, they took it to us. They out-physicaled us, and they beat us up pretty good. Now this week they're uh, stepping back uh, uh, into non-conference play and they welcome in uh, Tom Herman and his Texas Longhorns. Phil, this one, I, you know, I, which Texas football team is, is going to show up in this one? And can they legitimately get into the fourth quarter and have a shot to win uh, against the men of Troy in the Coliseum? Well, you know, Tom Herman has faced six ranked foes in his career as a head coach. He is 6-0 and in those games. Last year, they upset yeah. both Oklahoma and Houston as an underdog. So you know he'll have Texas prepared. I like the way Chris Warren started running the football last week. They piled up over 400 yards rushing. Shane Bouchel sat out the game, but maybe that was just the thing that, that let Sam Erlinger, the true freshman in there, he's a Tom Herman recruit. Their offense did pretty good in that plastering of San Jose State 56 to nothing. And I like the athletes they have in the defensive line. I like the athletes they have in the secondary. But watching that USC game last week and seeing them manhandle Stanford, I mean, they had a 623 to 342 yard edge. And frankly, if Stanford's playing Texas this week, I'm thinking Stanford by 10 points in that game. They're the better team. So Texas, as much as as good as they looked against San Jose State, I can't shake what I remember from that Maryland game when they would pretty much let them run and pass at will and, and couldn't get them off the field. Now they're taking on Ronald Jones and Stephen Card, running back, two guys that are combining to average over eight yards a carry. Sam Darnold, a bevy of receivers, and a pretty good defense too. I, I know their defense got the ball; it's given up 5.9 yards per carry, but I think they could slow down Texas. I just think USC's the better team at home, and even with a Pac-12 game on deck and coming off that Stanford game, I see the Trojans winning this one by about three touchdowns. Yeah, Phil, I do too. And again, a little bit of a, you know, people questioning, uh, had to get in the fourth quarter in their opener before they took control against a very solid Western Michigan squad from the MAC. But I think what you saw last week, oh, this, this, uh, Clay Helton's team might be ready for a blast off. And it might have started its beginnings in the uh, second half in that win over Stanford. So we'll keep uh, close tabs on that as well. Hey, if I wasn't calling, if I wasn't calling Tulsa and Toledo this week on the ESPN family and networks, I'd love to be out and see USC and Texas. You want to go there or any other college football game of your choice? What is the best, most efficient way to do that? I got it for you. You buy your tickets from the good folks at SeatGeek, the smartest, easiest, most effective way to get the seats you want, not just for college football and any sport event, concerts, theater, 
SeatGeek has a seamless mobile experience that allows you to buy and sell your tickets to the events that you want to go to with just a couple of taps of your mobile device. You get the best seats, but here's the best thing, at the prices you want. Fully guaranteed, you can see your favorite team or musician as you instantly find seats. It's the easiest way to go, fully guaranteed. I'm asking you to make SeatGeek your go-to app. It'll save you time and money on every type of ticket you want. As I said, sports, concert, theater, you name it, the good gang at SeatGeek will get you taken care of. You save time, money, we all want that. The best part of your SeatGeek experience, though, it's because you're as strong as steel listener. Here's the deal. Check this out. You get 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. That's right, 20 bucks off. Download the SeatGeek app. Enter promo code STEEL, S-T-E-E-L-E, on the SeatGeek app. You get $20 off. You could be front and center at the events you want. You could go see, check, like I said, I wanted to if I wasn't working. USC in Texas this week. SeatGeek will get you there. Be front and center at the event you want. Make sure you do it the best way with the good folks at SeatGeek. And the good folks here, that's us at Strong as Steel. Just delighted that you're a part of it with us uh, here each and every Wednesday in advance of a big college football weekend, 12 o'clock Eastern. We do it. 646-668-2248. Michael Regai, Phil Steele, and our producer, Jim Nabosna. All right, let's uh, – well, those Oklahoma Sooners were big time, as we know, with Baker Mayfield and company in their dismantling of Ohio State. Tulane this week for Oklahoma. Let down. Here's our man Mark from New York checking in on Strong as Steel. What's going on, Mark? Good afternoon, guys. Happy week three. I uh, just want to bring mm-hmm. up this Oklahoma two. Just want to bring up this Oklahoma Tulane game. You know, I feel like this is a game that Oklahoma might have like put on the schedule a couple years ago before they introduced the triple option Tulane. And I just feel like a big week after Ohio State, all those cut blocking from the Tulane offensive line. You know, Baker Mayfield was hobbling around a little bit last week. I just see 34 being too much. I see Oklahoma wanting to win this game, get out of there as fast as possible. What are you guys' thoughts? You know, one thing I want to say, uh, Michael, is I'm I'm really, really like the callers we have and the insight because a lot of what they say is my exact thoughts on the games as it is. And I think uh, that our buddy Mark here hit it right on the head. When you look at Oklahoma – everybody is patting them on the back. That was the game they wanted. You talk about an A-plus game, that was it. And I think he hit it right on the head. When they scheduled Tulane, mm-hmm. they had no idea Willie Fritz was going to be the offensive coordinator. Fritz has come in, run the option. Last week they probably could have beaten Navy. Uh, they only lost by two, a missed two-point conversion there, a very close game, had the opportunities to get that one. Uh, they've got Jonathan Banks at quarterback. He's, you know, Last year when I talked to uh, uh, Coach Fritz about the, the team, uh, last season, we're going over it. They didn't really have the true option quarterback. Jonathan Banks is the true option quarterback. In fact, Bill Snyder recruited him at Kansas State. And if Bill Snyder recruits you, that means you're a pretty good player and a pretty good person. I think Jonathan Banks can have a solid year with Tulane's offense. And the one thing those Oklahoma defense players don't want to do is face the cut blocking. Uh, many times that's what the, the prime guys don't like. So I think the Tulane's offense shrinks the clock, makes it a shorter game. You don't see Oklahoma Oklahoma play with the same amount of emotion. They've got the Big Ten opener on deck against Baylor and the cut blocking the key thing. I see Oklahoma wins, very comfortable game, but probably only something like like 30-something in that area. So I I like the underdog Tulane to keep it closer than expected. Appreciate the call, Mark, and the comments. Yeah, and, and Phil, as we said, Baker Mayfield, was he had as good a second half at 14 throws in a row. Phil, did you have a problem with uh, Baker Mayfield and his exuberance uh, uh, on uh, the uh, the turf at Ohio Stadium, uh, planting or attempting to on field turf, the, the uh, crimson and cream Oklahoma flag uh, the other night after their big win? Yeah, uh, you know, uh, yeah, you would think he wouldn't have done it because, I mean, it's Oklahoma, for crying out loud. You're supposed to win big games like this all the time. You shouldn't act like it's first time. But, uh, you know, in the same token, these are college kids. Let them have their fun. It doesn't really bother me at all. Yep, I agree with that. Uh, I, I don't think – and he apologized. I don't think there should have been as as big as the uh, – 
conversation that was stimulated about it because, hey, exuberance of a big, big win. And uh, listen, I mean, you know, you if you don't want those things happening, then I guess you got to uh, stop the opposition and play better, or uh, you know, you're subject to that in in this day and age of the game. We're rolling on here as strong as steel. Michael Regai, Phil Steele, and our producer, Jim Nabosna. Again, 646-668-2248. That's how you get on board. We'll be checking the Twitter mailbag here coming up in just a moment. Uh, let's check in with uh, Big, Ten versus the, uh, Big Ten versus the SEC here as we uh, head way out to California once again. And uh, I, I think uh, Jeff Brom. And his Purdue Boilermakers in his first year, they're starting to catch the fancy of uh, some college football fans. Phil, here's Tony with some thoughts on Purdue and Missouri. Tony, hi. How are you? I'm doing great, Michael. How you doing? Good, man. Good to hear from you. Phil and Michael, thank you for taking my call. Um, I wanted to get your insights on the Purdue versus Missouri game. Obviously, as a Purdue alum, we're really excited about what Coach Brom has done in the first two weeks. And uh, do you think you'll be able to continue this the whole season? Uh, okay, appreciate the call, Tony, and uh, appreciate you listening. And, w- you know, when I looked at Purdue at the start of the year, they finished in the basement of the Big Ten West last year. So I picked them to escape the basement this year, and I, th- I think they're going to have a pretty good season. Jeff Brown is the type of guy who I, I remember talking to him in Western Kentucky both years, and, and each time you look at the overall talent they had, and they did better. I mean, he always develops the offense. He's having a little tough time deciding on his quarterback, so it looks like it's going to be probably David Blau now. So they, they had the experiment with Sindler for a while, but they, two of them both might play. But love the way the offense is moving. 558 yards against a good Ohio U defense. That's very impressive. And really, they gave Louisville quite a game, led that thing a good portion of the second half in their opening game of the season. And defensively, uh, here's the thing. He said he, he liked the, the talent he inherited on defense. And that's that's quite a shocking statement considering, you know, that Purdue's defense last year gave up 38 points per game. So overall, I think Brom is going to keep this role. Now, are they going to contend for the Big Ten West this year? All right, Tony, they are not going to do that. But I do think that they have a shot of winning – they have a shot of winning this game this week against Missouri. And, you know, when you look at Missouri, they've got these gaudy numbers. I'm, and this is another thing. Tomorrow morning, Sports Center, 830. Make sure you check it out. I've got to go in inside the numbers on a couple of games. And one of them is going to be Missouri. They're a lot. Uh, when they play a Power 5 team, their numbers are nowhere near what they are when they play a Group of 5 team. Case in points, South Carolina, 13 points. Uh, Drew Locke, basically a 50-50 ratio against Power 5 teams. It gets a majority of his touchdown passes and interceptions when he takes on group of five teams. But watch Sports Center for more numbers on that tomorrow morning at 8.30. That's Thursday morning at 8.30. And uh, I just, when I look at Missouri, I don't see an overwhelming defense. Uh, I see an offense that struggles against Power 5 teams. And frankly, I think Purdue's maybe a little bit more confident right now. I, I think Purdue's got a good shot of going on the road and pulling the upset. Appreciate the call, Tony. Yeah, I got a big one in two weeks, Phil, when they welcome in Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines. We'll be all over that. And speaking of uh, Coach Harbaugh and his Wolverines that uh, went to 2-0 and and moved up to uh, number uh, seven in both polls this week with a with a win over Cincinnati. Uh, Phil, uh, on the Twitter side, Perfect Fit Athletic tweets at the show and at you and I to say, Wilton Spate, Harbaugh's quarterback, a little bit up and down, some inconsistencies as far as his accuracy, mistakes in the Michigan offense. Do you think that he gets it squared away and continues to ascend this year, or does Harbaugh make a move as Michigan gets set to play the triple option of the Air Force Academy this week? You know, one thing I think Harbaugh would probably like to do is get back Shane Morris from Central Michigan, who's having himself a, a really good season there. Shane Morris, yeah. of course, lost the job and uh, ended up transferring, and uh, it's been Central Michigan's boon. I mean, he looked great against Kansas last week. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Spate and O'Corn are are two guys that I, I don't think either one's going to become an overwhelming quarterback this year. Uh, they they may even have to go with the freshman. Uh, you know, later in the season, we'll see what happens there. I was surprised the freshman dropped out of number three in the uh, the race in in August, but uh, it's still not overwhelmed with the quarterback play. Last week's game against Cincinnati was closer than thirty six fourteen. It was. 
17-14 late third quarter last week. Uh, and taking on the option of Air Force is never a good thing. We've talked about that numerous times. Cut blocking is your your biggest concern, and, and all of Michigan's defense alignment have NFL futures, so they're all going to be a little nervous sure. about that. Air Force looked pretty good in the opening game, 647 yards. It was only against VMI, though. But uh, I, I like Michigan naturally to win the game, but I do think Air Force will give them a game. And last time they came to the big house, they gave them a game. So I think it's an Air Force team that had the week off. They're fresh. They're ready. And uh, I, I think they will give uh, Michigan a good game here in this one. Yeah, it's a, it should be fun to watch. And, again, uh, it sounded like I heard Don Brown, Michigan's defensive coordinator, uh, on Monday, and he said he's expecting that, and they've been preparing for it a little bit in practice quite a bit. But, Phil, I know one thing. Speaking of Don Brown, his defense has scored three touchdowns in the two football games, uh, one against Florida and two pick sixes. They have given up just two touchdowns. So his defense has outscored the opposition's offenses three touchdowns to two in the first couple of weeks so uh you know michigan always seems that they'll have that to fall back on right in times of offensive struggles right absolutely and uh and you know air force is not the type of team that's going to be throwing interceptions for touchdowns here because they don't throw the football a lot but uh yeah that's uh that definitely is a nice advantage to have Yep, strongest deal. This is how we do it. All right. Speaking of, let's uh, we we touched on, of course, Oklahoma and their win. The Ohio State Buckeyes they tumbled down. They're one and one, and uh, they tumbled down to uh, number eight uh, in the polls this week. They're welcoming in the uh, the Black Knights of Army West Point. Speaking of option attacks, and of course the military academies with their disciplined football team. Phil, there's been a lot of conversation this week, man. They have been on a couple of shows in Columbus, and people are how about uh, the potential or will Urban Meyer pull the trigger? The hiring of Kevin Wilson was supposed to fix everything with JT Barrett. It has not as of yet. Where's your assessment of this? And we can imagine Ohio State's going to roll this week over Army West Point, but will that necessarily mean things are fixed in the passing game with the Buckeyes? Well, 2014, they had some quarterback, J.T. Barrett, that really struggled against Virginia Tech, hit 9-29. to They looked feeble. They uh, they lost by 14 points. And in the previous week, they had barely gotten past Navy in the opener. It was a struggle from start to finish. Like, wow, this Ohio State team is going nowhere. They come off that loss. They beat Kent State 66 nothing, Cincinnati 50-28, to start blowing teams out. We saw J.T. Barrett become a Heisman Trophy contender. And the main thing is they need to gain confidence. You're right, Kevin Wilson's under fire. They need to gain confidence. And no better team than Army. Now, here's the thing about Army. If you look at this team statistically, I mean, last year they only gave up 291 yards per game, a legitimate top-10 defense statistically. This year giving up 309 yards per game. That is a very good defense. But – their stats are compiled against Fordham and Buffalo and UTEP and Rice and North Texas. When they ran into a Notre Dame team last year that was in off a loss, Notre Dame just thrashed them. It was 38-6 to at the half. Notre Dame needed a feel-good game. They were off an upset loss to Navy. They got their feel-good game. They shut down the option, and on the flip side of the coin, their offense scored basically a will, running for 6.1 yards per carry. Kevin Wilson should get that here. Now, if you're wondering how is Ohio State going to defend the option, Greg Schiano, their defensive coordinator, was the head coach at Rutgers. You go back to his days when he was the head coach at Rutgers, they shut down the option. They would play Army and Navy every year and always hold them under 20 points. And they did work in August for the option. Also, their defense coordinator, Greg Schiano, is coming under fire a little bit. I mean, they're giving up 464 yards per game, Michael. So I think you got both yep. coordinators under fire. you got everybody dishing Ohio State. you got the perfect foe coming in. Let's face it, Army does not have the athletes to hang with Ohio State, and they don't play the athletes that they're going to be on the field with Ohio State here. I like the Buckeyes to win this one, something like 48-6. to I think they roll this one up, contain the option on the defensive side, and offensively have themselves a feel-good game. Yeah, and Ohio State's next three, as we know, uh, counting this one, are um, uh, at home uh, to uh, the Air Force, excuse me, to uh, Army, and then uh, UNLV comes in, who lost to uh, Howard in their opener, an FCS squad, and and then uh, Urban Meyer will take the gang to see his former uh, assistant, Chris Ash, at Rutgers. So, you know, Phil, the next three are going to be opportunities for Ohio State, obviously, to really uh, try to at least go out and some semblance of curing what ails them. So uh, we expect Ohio State to to roll in in uh, this one coming up 
this week. This is Strong as Steel. We've got a few more minutes for you at 646-668-2248. You guys are terrific with your thoughts and ideas and your own assessments and questions on college football. I mentioned earlier in the show, we love the group of five. Phil, I think, and I am privileged, I am blessed and fortunate, I feel I'm calling the top group of five matchup this week at Toledo's Glass Bowl when uh, Philip Montgomery takes his uh, Tulsa Golden Hurricane in one of the most explosive teams in the country uh, to see another explosive team Jason Campbell and his Toledo Rockets Tulsa Phil one and one they average 45 points a game D'Angelo Brewer is probably like the former Toledo running back Kareem Hunt he's got an NFL future uh, they they have of course uh, quarterback um, Dane Evans has moved on and now it's Chad President the young sophomore but uh, certainly capable of big offense Toledo's Logan Woodside is one one of the nation's top quarterbacks that you need to check out. Over 4,100 pass yards and 45 TDs a year ago. Phil, I'm thinking maybe I'm going to call a game where first of 50 grabs a win. I'd like to get your thoughts on Tulsa and Toledo this weekend at the Glass Bowl. Yeah, I think you might have it uh, right on there as usual, Michael, because, uh, you know, when I look at Toledo, I like the weapons. You know, surprising to me is that Logan Woodside only has two touchdowns so far this year, but you got to expect that that'll get rolling as the season goes on. They've got Cody Thompson, a receiver, averaging nearly 20 yards per catch. And, you know, a lot of wonder who's going to take over at running back. Swanson's got 137 yards. Our Tompkins has 153. Shakif Seymour's got 150. So they're using a running back by committee and doing a good job. But this is also a dangerous Tulsa team. And Tulsa last year, last week, laid it on Louisiana with 667 yards. Chad President has still not hit his peak throwing the football. I mean, just one touchdown pass so far. But that running game with Brewer and Taylor and Brooks, much like Toledo has got their three running backs, they got three guys that are putting it up. Uh, defensively, I got to give the edge of Toledo, home edge of Toledo. Offensively, I actually give the edge of Tulsa. So I think we got ourselves a ball game here. And I agree with you. It'll be a high scoring game. And to me, it comes down right down the wire. You might be calling an exciting one this weekend, Michael. Mm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, Phil. It's uh, it's one that, as I said, I think these are two of the top programs in the uh, the group of five with coaches Philip Montgomery at Tulsa and uh, Jason Candle, Candle at Toledo. So looking forward to that. You know, Phil, one, number one, one other Alabama. note there. Go ahead. One yeah. other note there. You know, when the SEC plays the Big Ten, it's always battle. ACC mm-hmm. plays the Big Ten. This is one of those Mac versus American. Who's got the better conference? So it's a it's a yes. big game for conference pride as well. Yeah, but you're right. Both of those conferences feel like they can be uh, the squad that uh, best overall record, uh, the rank the highest, and be in that New Year's Day uh, group of six bulls. So we'll see if that takes place with either Tulsa or Toledo. Phil, let's touch on in the few minutes we have left, left uh, Alabama. They've got Colorado State this week. Uh, Crimson Tide beat Fresno State last week. You like them impressively again this week? Yeah, with Alabama, they still have not covered a game after winning that marquee opener. There uh, are six losses and uh, one non-event in their seven games. One mm-hmm. game got called early. Uh, you figure they're going to be back this week, full of motion. They only have Vanderbilt on deck. Uh, and when they played Colorado State a couple years ago, Jim McElwain was the head coach of Colorado State who had just gone from the offense corner of Alabama. I think Bama took it easy on them. But overall, this is a good Colorado State team. You go back to that Colorado game, they lost by 14. They actually had three long passes, which were pass interference, which really wasn't offensive pass interference, amazing calls. They also had a 40-yard pass wiped out by a questionable hold. And uh, so four big plays away from maybe putting up five, 600 yards on Colorado in that game. Instead, they only had a 397, 345-yard edge and lost by 14. I think, I think Colorado State can make a game of it, but we'll see a more focused Alabama than we did last week. Yeah, that uh, that should be the case. I agree with you. Uh, unfortunately, we have uh, three that have been well. One postponed. Number seventeen. We were looking forward to the uh, the Canes of Miami going into Tallahassee against Florida State. Of course, uh, uh, Hurricane Irma has postponed that. They'll, they're looking for a date later in the year. And Phil, we also uh, Florida International at Indiana has been canceled. Georgia Tech at uh, UCF has been canceled this week. All of that due to of course, uh, Hurricane Irma. Phil, what about, you know, one in the SEC, LSU, 12th-ranked Tigers at Mississippi State. They're both 2-0. and 
feel LSU has won 16 of the last 17 against uh, Mississippi State. That won't change this weekend, will it? I do like LSU in this one. And once again, going back to tomorrow's 630 Sports Center, i got some really interesting stats on Mississippi State's defense for you in that one. And I'm going to go back to the last two meetings between these two. You know, last year, LSU was up in that game uh, 23-6, to had the ball deep in Mississippi State territory, opted to go for it on fourth down and got stopped. Had they made the first down, they'd probably score again, win 30-6. to Mississippi State would go and get two touchdowns in the last 4-10 of the game and make a game. And it was the same thing two years ago. I think this is a, a much better LSU team, uh, much more diversified on offense. I like LSU to go in there and get the win on the road. All right. That is, uh, that's how we do it for an hour each and every week uh, here on uh, Strong as Steel. Uh, we appreciate you listening in, Phil. It's going to be a, uh, another very, very intriguing weekend, and and we'll look for you on uh, on Sports Center, as you said, on ESPN.com with all of the the writing efforts you mentioned, and uh, and I'll look forward to seeing you back here next week on Strongest Still, Phil. Great stuff this week. Uh, have a great football weekend, my man. Sounds great, Michael. Have a good weekend, buddy. Yes, sir. Going to enjoy that, to be sure. Our producer, Jim Nabosna, also always right on time. He's the man that stirs the drink in Strong as Steel. Jimmy, we appreciate your efforts. Of course, we, we thank our sponsors, our clients, of course, as, as they are doing a fantastic job, too, as well. So make sure you uh, you get with all of our wonderful clients, uh, the folks at SeatGeek, and of course at uh, Harry's Blades as well. That's going to do it for us. You are all the very, very best. We appreciate all your interaction with the show, whether you uh, you do it the old-fashioned way in the phone lines or, of course, on Twitter as well. Now for Phil Steele and Jim Nabosna, I'm Michael Regai. We'll see you next time, everybody. Uh, next week, 12 o'clock Eastern, right here on another edition of Strong as Steel. Have a fantastic football weekend. We'll see you next week, everyone. So long.